Many of you I know, some of you I don't. If, if I don't know you, my name's Adam. As you may have worked out, I have some history here. Uh, I came to this room, this very space in my teens uh, as a young person and met God in a powerful way. And many years on, I'm still living in many ways out of something of the fuel of that moment when I met the Jesus who is real, not just an idea that we know something about, but it changed me and it continues to change me. So to come back into this space is very special and for the many people some here, some, some not here, maybe some joining us online. I'm so grateful for the contribution, the energy, the patience, the generosity of which you sowed in me and my family. So it's nice to be here. It's good to be back for a visit. We've been here for two weeks. Uh, first week we didn't do much because at the time we couldn't. The second week we celebrated my parents' birthday. We all went away for our, our kind of family holiday. And then when we came back, um, we all did the whole drive-through COVID test, which is a new experience for me. Previously, drive-throughs, you would get some food. This was a very different kind of time, but we're all good, we're all clear, we're all clean, and it's nice to be with you this morning. Um, and then we fly back on Thursday. So I was asked to speak on the subject that God is the forgiver. And I want to look at what does that mean? What does that mean to us? And perhaps most importantly, what do we need to do about that? God is the forgiver. Uh, I'm going to start with a picture on the screen, and I need five volunteers. So while they're finding that, you don't need to do anything necessarily. You can stay even in your seat. So five volunteers, I just need you to read it out and tell me what you've got. Where am I going? If I wander off camera. Okay, here we go. Um, I'm just going to do this. Yes, Brenda, of course. So the picture's going to appear. Don't open the envelopes yet. Unfortunately, it's not a prize. Here we go. So, in the Bible times, there were tax collectors. And they may have looked something like this, and you had to pay taxes. And taxes were heavy and annoying, and often the goalposts kept moving. A little bit like someone says, this is going to happen, and then something else happens. And depending on how straight the tax collector was, sometimes you would owe this figure, but they may want some more money, so they change it slightly so they can take some of the money for themselves. So nobody liked the tax collector. And many people had continual debts that were always there, often unpaid, and they would grow and the interest would amass on top of the interest and things like this. I've given five of you an envelope. Just open it quickly. There's a figure inside there of how much you owe. Everyone's got a different number. I don't know which envelope has gone to who, but uh, what I'm going to ask you to do, you don't need to move or come forward. For the purpose of the camera, I will repeat what you say. Just say, your name is this and I owe this. So once you have got it and you can read my handwriting, stick your hand in the air and I'll, I'll ask you to say, my name is this and I owe this. It's Shirley. Shirley owes 10,000 pounds. Brenda. 
Brenda owes £1,000. Joe owes £50,000. At the back. £100,000. Say that again. 100,000. 5,000. So 1, 5, 10, 50, and 100. If somebody came along and collected all of the debts and said, I'll take care of them, I'll pay your debt, who's the most grateful? It's not a trick question. <laughs> this is not that hard. If somebody came along, this divine figure, perhaps, and pays all the debts, takes them all, who's the most grateful? The one with the biggest debt, right? That makes sense. Most of us have got a mortgage. If somebody paid off your mortgage, if someone's got a big mortgage, someone's got a tiny mortgage, the person with a big mortgage, they go home. They're, they've won. They've had a great day. Makes sense. It's not a trick question. But I want you to consider this, and we're going to come back to this at the end. Everybody had a debt. Yes, there's the big ticket debt that we would really like to deal with. And if you're the person with the 50 or the 100, it's a real win for you. But everybody has a debt. Nobody doesn't have a debt. Bear that in mind. We're going to skip in a different direction. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Luke's Gospel. We're in the New Testament. This is the teaching of Jesus. Jesus is at a time in his ministry where he's traveling and he's teaching and he's showing people by signs and wonders what he's doing. And a sign, by definition, is always pointing somewhere. It's not just an idea or a spectacle or an event. It's pointing to somewhere. And in this case, it's pointing to Jesus. This is a well-known story. Luke 15. We're going to read from 11 to the end. And I want to explore this with you. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. 
The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son in the field. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But, his, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. In many ways, this is a story of somebody who has a very large debt and a father who very generously resolves and clears such a debt. For many of us, this is a well-known story, a well-known parable of Jesus. I want to just touch on a few points of where much of it will be familiar to you. There's a shift. You get the story of what's gone on. He's gone away. He's made some mistakes. He's spent his money. He's hungry. And there is this, when he came to his senses moment, there is this moment of awareness, of self-awareness that things aren't as they're meant to be. And we all need that time where we recognize in ourselves things are not as they're meant to be. And we know that and we name that. And it causes the son that strayed to action. That's the beginning of the response. And we read this of the father in verse 20. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. I want to pause on this. He isn't waiting until the son is really close and is made good. But while he's still a long way off, it says that his father saw him. Jesus is telling this story to tell us what God is like, who God is. And Jesus is saying that God, who is the father of all creation, sees his sons and his daughters even when they're a long way off, he still sees them. A few weeks ago, I think it was seven or eight weeks ago, in our church, you may have worked out from the prayers, we lead a church on the south shore of Boston in Massachusetts, USA. Uh, and a few weeks ago, I was speaking, and at the end, I was just wrapping things up, but I felt a prod of the Holy Spirit. I believe God speaks to us, therefore we should listen. And I felt that God was asking me to say to somebody in the room, and we don't know who it is, or who maybe is joining us online, that there's somebody here, and God wants to say to you, he sees you today. I said it, went home, had no idea 
if that meant anything to anyone in particular. A few weeks later, we were announcing that we were uh, going to be celebrating baptisms. And if you'd like to be baptized, please contact the office. A lady contacted the office who I didn't know, and I had a conversation with them just to talk about who they are and why they want to be baptized. And she said this, uh, I, don't, I didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the Jesus stuff, but I knew that there was something bigger than myself, and somebody invited me to come along. And I'd had a terrible week, and I wasn't going to come. Lots of things were going wrong for me that week. And she said, and I felt like God can't be real because he's somewhere else. And she said, so I prayed, God, if you're real, I need you to tell me that you see me. I need you to tell me that you know me and that you see me even now in this circumstance. She said, and then that week you said, there's somebody here, and God wants to say that I see you. She said, I'm in. Uh, I led her to Christ and we baptized her two weeks ago. And I tell that story not to glorify that event or that moment or our church, but to glorify the Father who sees us. Even when we feel unseen or lost or forgotten or that our circumstances are just not important, God sees you. And we move on, and you see the debate. The older brother swings in. He's not happy. He's not impressed. He only owed a thousand, and somebody else owed a hundred thousand, and both debts were cancelled. And he's annoyed. He's frustrated. Many of us don't have an incredible story where we made every mistake and wild living experience possible. Some of us have a fairly plain story feels a little bit like the debt was much smaller. But I want you to remember, we, we, we all had a debt. We all have a debt. There's some interesting shifts that happen in the dialogue between the older brother and the father. Listen to this. The older brother's angry. And he says, when this son of yours comes back, he's disassociating himself. The father addresses him, my son. If the desire is for a lack of unity, and at a time over the last year and a half where we've been so scattered, disunity has been easy and unity has been hard, the heart of the father, when we say, this son of yours, he's not my brother, the father answers by saying, my son, very inclusive. Everything I have is yours. This brother of yours. The story of the father that forgives is a story that brings unity, not disunity. So, the father that forgives, the big debts, the small debts. My question to you in this story is, which, which son are you? Which one are you? Are you the son that went off probably amassed a massive debt or are you the son that probably didn't we only owe a thousand and sometimes it's annoying when God swings in and hundred thousand and one thousand which one are you because you can't not be in the story Jesus told these incredible stories where there's no yeah that's not for me no it is for you it is for me we're in the story somewhere we all need forgiveness and 
Jesus is telling these stories to show who God the Father is, but he's also giving these signs to say, it's me, it's Jesus who makes all of this possible. Jesus is the means of which this is possible. If you look at the text before this passage that we've looked at, there are a series of stories. There is a story of a sheep being lost, and there's a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray. And then there's the next story, and there's ten coins, and one of them is lost. And then there's this story, and there's two sons, and one of them is lost. If you study this passage, you will see that it's like Jesus telling the same story over and over again, but just changing the props ever so slightly. Some would see the progressive urgency in the message, one in a hundred, one in ten, one in two. It's like Jesus is leaning in and saying, do you get the point? Do you get the point? Do you get it this way? Now do you get it? One message that God forgives, but Jesus is the way that makes it possible. Jesus is only the way that makes it possible. He's pointing to himself. He's showing us that God forgives, but Jesus is the person that makes it possible. Sarah's going to come and say something about that for a couple of minutes. So we can't talk about God the forgiver, as Adam is saying, unless we talk about the blood of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, and it's verse 19 to 23. I'll give you a second to go there. Hebrews 10, 19 to 23. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. So now, wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. I love that. In the chapter that follows, chapter 11 of Hebrews, um, it talks about uh, somebody called Abel, and you probably know who he is. So Adam and Eve had two sons, and one of them was called Cain, and one of them was called Abel. And um, Cain killed Abel, and it says in Hebrews 11 that, that Abel's blood cried out from the ground. Uh, and then 
in Genesis, it says that. And then in Hebrews 11, it talks about how, how the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Um, and I've been thinking this week about what, what, is, what does the blood of Jesus say? Because if the blood of Abel speaks and the blood of Jesus speaks, what does Jesus' blood say? So the blood of Jesus, and I, d- I want you to think about this. I want, want you to think about this being spoken to you because it's personal. It's, it's, uh, it's for us, but it's for, for us individually. And I want you to think about your life, and I want you to hear this, these words spoken to you because, this, because Jesus died for you. So the blood of Jesus speaks forgiven, as Adam was saying to us. The blood of Jesus speaks peace with God. The blood of Jesus does not speak shame. The blood of Jesus speaks clean. It declares that we can come to God whenever we want. It declares that the body of Jesus, as we were reading in Hebrews 10, was torn open for us so that we are free to come whenever we want. And that's for you. And there's nobody else but Jesus that can do that for for you, for us. There's nobody else, and there's nothing else that is able to do that for us. That's why we're here, as Flora was saying earlier. That's, That's why we gather. That really is the only reason. And without Jesus, we have no message. We have, we have nothing. And the other thing that I, I want to touch on is, you know, the story that Adam read about the lost son. Whose, whose lips are speaking that story? It's Jesus. And I was uh, listening to um, a podcast this week, and, and the person said, I was talking about God's voice and listening to God's voice, and they said, um, the voice comes from the mouth, and the mouth is on the face, and the face is him. And I want us to think about who is speaking this story, because this story, I mean, I've heard this story a million times (laughs) over the years in in church, but we need to think about who who is saying this, who is he? And he wants us to come to him. And, you know, who had a cup of tea this morning or a cup of coffee? Anybody? Yeah. You know, the, you know when you pour it and, and it's hot and, and the, there's the steam that rises up? Well, the Bible teaches that our life is, is like that. It's a vapor. We don't know. We don't know how much longer we're going to be here. We don't have, we don't know what's going to happen when we leave this room. Um, And I feel like um, I want us to hear, I want us to just be present in this moment and hear what is God saying to you? What is God saying to us? And who is saying it? And he, what he's saying is, come to me. He's not saying, come to a teaching, come to a idea. He's not saying, come to a philosophy. He's not saying, come to some good things, come to a group of people. He's not saying, um, come to anything else. He's saying, come to me. 
come to me. So what does this mean? How do we, what do we do with this? Sarah said, and I made the comment, for many of us it's a familiar passage, familiar story. But there is a response. There is something that happens in the, in the Luke 11, in the Luke 15 passage. There is this moment when the son came to his senses. And there's this moment where the older son is challenged by the father. And I believe that there's a shift in us. Uh, there's a movement that's required. Let me tell you a story. Uh, last month, I had a couple of days retreat. And I went to stay in an Airbnb on Lake Ontario in upstate New York beautiful countryside, middle of nowhere, one of those places where your phone increasingly loses coverage the closer you get to the end goal, which is a, a good sign, until you get lost. And I got as far as the car would take me, and it said that I was by the lake, and it's quite a big lake, but I couldn't see water. And I went for a walk, and I took some photos to, to show you the, the series of walk. Go back a couple. So the first picture I saw was this. I was like... I see that water used to be here, but it isn't here yet. This is last month in upstate New York. It was hot, it was sweaty, there's black flies, there's mosquitoes, there's poison ivy. Pictures look great on Instagram, but the reality is you're feeling yucky, sweaty, and smelly. And I'm being bitten. But I wanted to see it, so I kept moving. And then the next picture, my phone at this point had, had stopped helping me, uh, as they often do. And I'm looking, thinking, it can't be that far away, really. So I continue to walk through various woods, found that ditch which I took the picture of, which at the time was encouraging, because it was like, well, wait a minute, water was here at some point in the near past. I had to decide, do I keep looking? Do I keep moving? Or do I go, no, I couldn't find it? And I'd be one of those people that couldn't find one of the biggest lakes in the world. I had a decision to make. Oh, by the way, I eventually found it. It's big. There's lots of water. It's beautiful. The sunsets. Looks like the ocean. It's not the ocean. It's a lake. It's strange, but, but wonderful. This is the point of the story. We can decide to give up, or we can keep looking. And Jesus said, what you look for, you will find. And for many of us, we've heard these passages. We've sung these songs. And there's been times when we've had these God moments where, wow, yes, Jesus is real. There's been other times where it just feels like, did we make that up? Was that just the moment? It's a little bit like looking for something and giving up because well, I'm just seeing a ditch that's dried up. And maybe, maybe it's just not there. Maybe other people saw something I didn't see. Maybe that's their experience and not mine. And we, we give up. Or we keep looking and keep looking and keep looking. And Jesus said such simple but yet profound words. If you seek, you will find. Which could be flipped the other way around. If you don't seek, you won't find. So to bring all this together, God is the forgiver. God takes all the debts. God wipes the slate clean. Jesus is the means of that. He's the person of that. Not just the idea or the product, but the very person of Jesus who steps in and wipes the slate clean and makes it all possible. And sure, we've all got different debts. We've all got different experiences and stories. And some have had amazing moments and some have had terrible moments. 
Go to the end, Mikey. Start at the end. Look like that. Um, it was one of those, wow, it was worth the effort kind of moments. Uh, four and a half million acres. Bizarre. Amazing. Beautiful. We give up or we keep looking. And not knowing what your last year and a half has been like, there's been plenty of moments where it's easy to give up. There's been plenty of moments where we've read that before. But I want to encourage you to come to Jesus afresh. I want to encourage you to start again. For some of you, it may be here or joining us online, I want to encourage you to start at the beginning. Because there's that moment where all of us come to our senses and recognize things aren't as they're meant to be. So I want us to think on that and pray for a moment. I think Mikey's going to come back. We're not going to sing straight away. I, I want you to close your eyes and I want us to ponder this, this challenge. Jesus never invited people to be observers. We deliberately make a point in our church when people are are joining us online to say thank you for joining us, not thank you for watching. Because it was never meant to be about watching and spectating. It's always meant to be about joining and participating. So Jesus invited people to join him, which means there's always movement. There's keep looking. There's a lake around here somewhere. I want to encourage you to move in the direction of Jesus afresh this morning. And quite simply, if you've never experienced Jesus in the way that some of us talk like we've met him, and for some of us we would say we have met Jesus, I want you to simply recognize that and say, Jesus, I recognize I've done wrong, and in this moment I don't want to carry that any longer. Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you pay my debt? And would you fill me in a way that my life is profoundly different to how it, it has been? Jesus, help me not just to know about you, but help me to know you. And if for you that's a new prayer or a new idea, I want to encourage you to pray that in this moment, but also to move beyond this moment. If you're joining us online, there's a mobile number, text the number and say, I'm praying to meet Jesus. Or in the chat, if you've got questions or comments, you're interested but you're not convinced and you want to explore some more, text the number. And if you're here in the room, talk to us, talk to myself or Flora. But I guess for many more of us, we, we prayed a prayer that sounded something like that a long time ago. Uh, and at times we wander and at times, like looking for the lake in the woods, we, we kind of give up because the nettles and the mosquito bites just kind of stop us in our tracks. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to respond to Jesus this morning. Jesus, I'm sorry for the times when I've strayed. I prayed a passionate prayer in the past, but in recent days, that's not been my experience. Father, please forgive me for the, the debt of these mistakes. And please 
Jesus, help me to encounter you afresh and new. Lord, we're grateful for the story so far, but Lord, we pray for the now, the today, the this moment. Jesus, may we see your face afresh in the here and in the now. Amen. Why don't we stand?